Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and in today's episode, we're talking with John Curry, and this is a really special episode. Normally, we do these interviews, and um, and we're we're not in the same place at the same time. But uh, John's a good friend; he's a client, um, and he's here in my office. And so, we're going to have a really great conversation across the table from one another. So, John, uh, welcome, and and uh, say hello to everybody. And then I'd like to properly introduce you. Well, first, hello to you, Steve, and hello everyone. And it's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Well. Uh, for those who, who uh, don't know John, um, he is one of the, the stars in my book, Unstoppable Referrals. And uh, uh, we've known each other for, gosh, probably close to 10 years now. Correct. Um, and, uh, you know, John is really a specialist in helping people create a secure retirement. He works with business owners and, and uh, with others who are approaching retirement and uh, and he's got some really unique perspectives on how to do that. And we'll get into some of those maybe towards the end of the call. But the reason that I invited John on today is that uh, he's uh, John, I'm going to put you on the spot. How old are you? I just turned 64 on December 9th. Th- thank you for ser- sharing that. Uh, 64 years old. Um, you're probably in better shape than most 20 year olds. And uh, you're very kind. <laughs> well, I'm, and I'm very I'm very serious. And. Um, and you just have have created this air about you over the last several years of where you are truly unstoppable. And you're sitting here across the table from me at age 64, and you have mapped out a, a long future for yourself. You are not winding down by any means. You are ramping up. And, and to me, that's the definition of an unstoppable CEO. <laughs> So uh, welcome, and, uh, and I'm really looking forward to, to what we're going to talk about today. Um, so I guess to, to start with, uh, you know, first, I'd like to hear how you got started in business. Um, I know you've been doing this a while, been very successful, but how'd you get started and what motivated you want to be in your own business? Well, it's an interesting question because when I moved to Tallahassee, Florida in 1974 out of the Air Force, my plan was to go to law school. And over the years, all my youth, I always thought I wanted to be a school teacher, later a minister, and then a trial lawyer. And when I got in the Air Force, I had a chance to travel around the world, do things. But I was an aircraft mechanic. In fact, I worked on the B-52 bomber. And I learned a lot. I learned that every time an eight-member crew got on that plane, their lives were in my hands because the work I did on that plane had to be right. There was no second guessing it. It had to be right. So it's drilled into my head over and over and over the importance of systems and processes and double checking and triple checking things. <clears throat> but I still thought when I got out of the Air Force, I'd be a lawyer. And a lady out of Tallahassee Community College, Charlotte Blee, vocational counselor, convinced me to take a battery of aptitude tests because I was a veteran. And I did it, reluctantly, but I did it. And she says, John, you really should consider a career in sales. And I thought she was crazy. She said, specifically in the financial world. Back in those days, it was just life insurance, frankly. Either life insurance or a stockbroker. And I said, I'm not interested. Because I had this vision of the guy who showed up every Friday at dinner time and collected, you know, $2 from my dad. She said, no, 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 no. That's not what it's like. She said, you would be teaching, preaching, 
and persuade them. And you can make a huge impact on people. So that's how it got started. But back in those days, Steve, in September 1975, all I did was sell life insurance. I'm proud of that. Still sell life insurance. But the planning process that I use is what really separates me from the pack. Most people just leave with a product. In fact, I got in trouble with my first company because they were angry with me that I wanted to become securities licensed. So even back then at 22 years old, I'm kind of like pushing the system and saying, wait a minute, I don't want to just sell life insurance. I want to be able to do the planning. And if that means investments, do that for my client. But that's how it all got started. Yeah, I I, I think that counselor was uh, uh, was smart to jump in because I know a lot of people in sales. You're one of the best. Um, and, and Thank you. Uh, you know, these days, somebody would look at you and call you a natural. And I know that uh, that you probably didn't start off that way. And you've developed some some tremendous skills of being able to, as you said, teach and preach and persuade um, and do it very, very effectively. And I, I know we'll talk about some of those. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to learn about what you're doing in business and to share that. But where I'd like to start is I'd like to talk about how you've become unstoppable. And in particular, some of the things that that you've taken on over your life and then in particularly over the last two, three, four years as you've made this transformation. And, you know, we all run into roadblocks in business and, and we all have our approaches to get around them. Um, I'd love for you to share what some of those approaches are that, that you have, the mindsets, the frameworks, things like that, that have helped you stay unstoppable. Well, I think the number one is I, I talk about team a lot, managing your team. And I don't mean a team of people. I mean managing your time, your energy, your attitude, your mission. It all starts with a mission. Uh, I just had something happen yesterday. Well, let me let me stop you there. Let's go over those again so everybody heard those. Okay. <clears throat> so think of team, time, energy, attitude, and mission. And let's address each one of them. And I'll do it by way of a quick example that happened just yesterday. Client comes in. He's a little bit uncomfortable coming in. He's a prospective client. And I said, what would you like to accomplish in our time together? And speaking of that, how much time do we have? I said, I've allocated an hour. He said, an hour's time. I said, okay, what's your mission? He says, what? I said, what's your mission in this hour? What is it we want to accomplish? He said, I don't really know. I just know that a mutual friend of ours said I should come see you, and now I'm beginning to see why. I said, what do you mean? He said, you're a different breed of cat. I said, well, let's do this. Let's be honest. The most precious item you have is your time. Same with me. Same with my colleague, Jay, sitting here. Let's identify what we want to accomplish, your mission. Because this session is for you, not about me. It's about you. So what is your mission? He said, I don't really know. I said, you want me to help you find one? So we're here to talk about retirement planning. So what is your mission when it comes to retirement? And then... I got into attitude. What's your attitude about planning and how much energy and time are you willing to devote? Another way of looking at for your theme for being unstoppable, I'm to the point where I'm ruthless in asking this question. Is the person or the thing that's in front of me helping me get where I want to go or are they stealing my time, my energy, screwing up my attitude and taking me off of my mission? And my mission is simple. May I share it? Absolutely. My mission is to help as many people as possible prepare for a secure retirement. 
I do that by number one, helping them identify the financial threats to that retirement income, help them either eliminate or reduce those threats, and develop strategies that keep them on track, period. Now, I can do that one-on-one. I can do that with interviews. I can do that with my webinars, my conference calls, my seminars, my book, CDs, DVDs. So it's not about being in front of somebody all the time. It's about understanding the importance that is this helping me with my mission? Anything that will help me teach, preach, and persuade people to do the right thing for themselves, that's not a waste of energy. That's not a waste of time. And it helps my attitude because I feel like I'm contributing. Therefore, I'm so on my mission. See, that all comes together. I love it. Well, and, and the way that you use it in talking with potential clients is, is powerful because it immediately gets them focused. Well, I appreciate that I have to be candid with you. I'm to the point of where we've known each other about 10 years, maybe a tad longer, actually. I'm not quite sure. But I've always had some theme from the standpoint of the team, but more and more, it's really come down to I have an obligation, you have an obligation, your listeners have an obligation to be the very best they can be. And you cannot do that without first getting a clear picture of what your mission is in life, personally, professionally spiritually, all areas, but then you've got to guard against all of the things, the the risks, the threats that can screw that up. And we're our biggest problem. How's your attitude? You get angry with someone. You say, well, I'm not going to work out the day. I'm not going to do this, not do that. Well, already you've set yourself up for failure because you're off of your mission. You screwed up your energy level and it's going to waste your time. And I just screw up. And when I do, I go, whoa, get back on track. I just snap my fingers, do something, slap my hands together. I do something to make me get back on track. Talk about that a little bit because uh, you, you've got an uncanny ability for when, when something hasn't gone your way, it doesn't upset you like maybe it used to. Oh, true. It used to just make me mad as hell and I'd fuss and cuss and throw things. But you've gotten, <laughs> to, the, you've gotten to this point where, you know, the normal roadblocks that would make somebody in business go kick the trash can and you know slam the door <laughs> you've got this eerie kind of peace around it and you know as you said snap the fingers and and you're off in a new direction that's a powerful technique to be able to have because we all get stuff thrown at us that that doesn't go our way right that's right you know we we don't always get the results that we hope to get and being able to take that and quickly move on, to me, is, is, is a really key skill to have. Well, a lot of it goes back to my time in the military. When I was in the Air Force, I was stationed in Thailand for a year and a half. And I did uh, what was called Muay Thai kickboxing. And it taught me a lot in the sense that on any given day, you will lose a battle. Somebody's going to be better than you. And you have to... You don't have to do anything. You can accept that and say, okay, on any given fight, I could win or I could lose. So that helped. Being in the military with the discipline helped. But fast forward to the future, in 2008, I had open heart surgery, you know, because you were there with me, uh, spent a lot of time with me. And that was a major setback. But while I was recuperating, I was spending a lot of time with my two-year-old grandson. Visualize, I'm not able to even pick him up. He had to shimmy up my legs, spin around, sit in my lap, and we'd watch Disney Channel together. 
Mickey Mouse Playhouse. And it dawned on me then that a lot of what I'd been pushing hard, this thing called success, got to be number one of this, number one of that. The truth of the matter is when they bury you, nobody's going to give any thought to how great you were at this or that. There's not enough room on the tombstone to put all that crap. Okay? So that was number one. And then later that year, August to be exact, August 8th, one of my clients died. I couldn't even go to the funeral service. And this was a major life insurance client. $6 million of life insurance, had the policy not even three months, 45 years old, slipped on a hiking trail, died. And he had told me earlier in the year, let's wait till after I get back from my trip, and then we'll do it. I said, no, you've been approved, let's take care of this. Well, he listened to me, followed my advice, and because of the work we did, I was able to deliver $6.1 million to his widow, which is taking care of her and her three children today. So that made me realize that what I do is very important and not to allow anything or anybody to stop me in that mission. Then the economy crashes. So I see my business go down. I see my income drop. And <clears throat> I had a choice to make. I said, okay. I'm not going to rush back to work. I'm going to get recuperated from heart surgery. But it renewed in me a sense of pride, a sense of, some people may not like this analogy, I believe, and I believe this all my career, with all my heart, that what I do for a living is second only maybe to someone's religious advisor, a priest, rabbi, minister, or possibly a medical doctor. Because the medical doctor saves your life, these religious leaders help save your soul. But other than those two, there's no one, no one in your life more important than what I do. You cannot shake me on that. You hear about taking a stand? That is my stand. You are the stand, aren't you? <laughs> I believe so. <laughs> but maybe not, but I believe so. <clears throat> well, you have... And I've watched you do this. You've completely transformed your physical body. And at a time in life when most people don't even give that a thought. Talk a little bit about the strength and the confidence that have come from, from really focusing on your physical well-being and how that's translated into your mindset and business. Okay. Well, in the past, I was in pretty good health because I did the kickboxing. I did uh, Taekwondo for years. Had to have back surgery in 2006. I backed off with Taekwondo. Surgeon says, real simple, you can keep doing that and have more surgeries or you can quit doing it. So I quit doing it. Then I, I started gaining weight. I got to a high after my heart surgery. I say, I was probably about 284 pounds. And this morning I got on the scales, I was 221. But I... I decided, I remember telling a good friend of mine, I said, I am absolutely going to transform the way I look. He said, what does that mean? I said, it means I'm, I've hired a coach. I've hired a fitness coach. Five and a half years of work together. And every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, if I were in town, 6 a.m., I was lifting weights. Off days, I was uh, walking, jogging, whatever I could do. And <clears throat> the mindset became... And your, your, the title of your program, Unstoppable Sea, is perfect because I became unstoppable. I don't care if it was lightning outside. I went for my walks. I did what I had to do. But I've always had that discipline, but I lost it. 
I lost it there for a while. And having had the surgery and then seeing my weight go back up because I was not doing the things necessary, frankly, it just made me mad as hell with myself. And I said, I'm going to fix it. Now, what's happened that you've seen, we've talked about many times, because we truly are good friends, spend a lot of time with you, like a brother to me. But what I have seen, Steve, is that, that if you are physically fit, I am physically fit now. I am at, I am at 64 stronger mentally, physically, and emotionally than I was at 24, definitely at 34, but probably even 24. I would not want to tangle with me in a fight today. But it's because of the physical fitness, the mental conditioning, and also studying and learning more about martial arts uh, so that you have the confidence level. And I wouldn't tell anyone who's listening, work on your fitness. Do something every day, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. If there's nothing, then go outside and walk for 20 minutes and watch what it does for clearing your mind. Second part of that is breathing, really working on breath control. That in the past, you ask about how to maintain the control. In the past, I would just you know, fume. Now, if you make me angry, I'm just going to go... Big, deep breath, get it under control. Then I'm going to ask myself, do I want to be upset with Steve now or not? Now, if I choose to, you're getting both barrels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that. I don't want to. Well, and and what's really interesting there is is uh, you kind of had a reputation of being somebody that could, you know, if you got angry, you could kind of fly off the handle a little bit at, at the office, right? Yep. That doesn't happen anymore. Control. I've never been a bully in the sense of, you know, belittling people or something. No, no, no. But mechanical things, for example, computer. Yeah, in the past, I'd be fussing and cussing. Now i just say, Amanda, April, Jay, somebody come fix this, and I'll walk away. The things I learned, have learned is I don't do much anymore. I don't do much anymore that I don't really enjoy doing. If it's something that irritates the daylights out of me, I find someone else to do it. If that means i got to give up a little bit of profit to pay someone to support me. That's why I've got three full-time people so I can do what I'm really good at doing, what I have a passion for doing and stay on my mission. That's uh, well, Hey, that's fantastic advice um, for anybody listening. Uh, but B and having observed all of this um, and for, for those listening, this is the key takeaway here. Uh, and I've watched you do this, John, you know, when, when a roadblock hits, it, I've seen it when it in the past when it would frustrate you. Now when it hits, you are in full control and, and making conscious decisions. And I think when we run into these things, often we allow our emotions to sort of overcome us. We're angry at, that something's happened or we're disappointed that the client we've been working with or the prospect we've been working with for two months, all of a sudden has, you know, decided to go another direction or something, you know, that opportunity didn't, didn't turn into anything. Um, and, you know, that can erode our confidence. It, it can, uh, it, it can take us off track. And then when it does, you lose focus on going back to where we started today, the mission. And what I've seen in you and, and what, what I want everybody to take away from this is that there are some very simple techniques Breathing is one, fitness is another, right. where you can begin to give yourself the space that you need to allow the emotions to quickly dissipate so that you can make 
a good decision and you can stay focused on that mission and you're not constantly getting yanked and derailed and going in all these different directions, which I've seen that take business owners off track for months. Absolutely. I've never had the problem where it take me off track for months, but I've had it where two or three days I'd be fuming about something. I just had something happen. I came back from San Diego. I went to a program of training for three days that was sponsored by a retired Navy SEAL commander. And it was a civilian version of that, where you work on the physical, the mental, the emotional. And I loved it because it just amplified more of what I've been doing on my own for the last several years, but especially since I'm a military guy. I, I loved it because of what it does. But what I'm learning more and more, Steve, is if I get upset with someone, I can work on my breathing. I can get, I've got to get the emotions in check first. And for me, it's breathing and also just closing my eyes and visualizing. But I came back on, on Tuesday and Jay's telling me a, a big case we're working on. The guy called in saying, tell John I decided to go in a different direction. I said, okay, cool. This is in our team meeting. And he goes, you're not upset? Yes, I'm disappointed. Because we did a lot of work for the guy. He didn't even pay the fee he was supposed to pay. It's okay. It'll, it'll all work out. So when I called him, he got a little defensive. I said, time out. I'm not here to convince you of anything. You made your decision. That's okay. It's okay. I just want to let you know everything's cool. The door's open. If I can ever help you, call me back. Well, it shocked him. He says, I would think you'd be angry. I said, I'm not angry with you. I'm disappointed. You've not done anything you said you would do. I did all the work. You basically stiffed me on the feet. You know, let your conscience be your guy. But I'm here if you want me. I said, but let me be real clear. You come back in that door. Check will be in hand. It better walk in the door before you. Before we engage again. So I didn't just roll over and play dead. I'm not doing that. You know me enough. And I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to be firm but fair. But I work on the breathing, I work on the visualization, and I still get upset, don't get me wrong. I get disappointed about something. But what I've learned is the longer I let it drag out, what did it do to my time, my energy, and my attitude? It screwed it up. So I'm telling you, and, and everybody can use the word team and work on this, find the words that work for you. Sometimes I'll substitute uh, energy, I'll substitute the word emotion. You know, <clears throat> sometimes the mission becomes money. How's this impacting my money if I'm making a money decision? Uh, but, but primarily it's time, energy, attitude, and mission. I think it's a, a great framework. And, and uh, we're going to take a break here in a second. But uh, what I want everybody to get to, to wrap your heads around is just that, you know, you've got to be, I think, I should, shouldn't say that. You don't have to do anything. Correct. Uh, but those that are very successful have found a way to reset themselves when things go wrong. Let me give you an analogy. We just had a whole bunch of football games being played, right? Got the granddaddy coming next week for the national championship. I'm going to pick a quarterback. Let's just say a quarterback of your favorite team throws an interception. Now, your favorite team and my favorite team are definitely not the same. Okay. So, but your quarterback throws an interception. If he dwells on that the next play, what's going to happen? Disaster. May not throw another interception, but he might fumble the ball. Just, he'll be off. Same thing with the receiver. Mm -hmm. Okay, Jerry Rice, I think, still holds the record for being having the most receiving yards. 
He had the uncanny ability that if he dropped the ball, which was rare, but if he did, he'd let it go. So the quicker that you have the ability, and I learned this in boxing in Thailand, I learned it in Taekwondo and now style called Haganah, I have to let it go quickly. Same thing with playing golf for your golfers that are on the call. If you hit a golf ball and it goes into the woods or into the lake, if you keep talking about that for the next two or three holes, it's going to screw up your game. But if you have the ability and you'll, they, they can't see this, but I'm brushing my shoulders. If I can just go, it's gone, it's over. That's hard to do, but I'm, I'm constantly working on that, Steve, to just let that go. That was a moment ago. Now I've got to be present, but it's hard. But if we can do that, if we can teach ourselves, hey, I threw an interception. Guy dropped the ball. Whatever. Next. Next play. I love it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with John. And, and John, when we come back, I want to find out what you're most excited about in business. So hang on, everybody. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute, but what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast. Leave us a review, rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes, you can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. All right, we're back with John Curry. This is Steve Gordon. And uh, John, welcome back. Uh, thank you for sharing uh, everything that you did in the first segment. Um, some great advice on on how to still yourself and, and uh, maintain your confidence even when bad things are happening around you. And now I'd really love to find out what it is that, that's really got you fired up in, uh, in business, whether it's in your business or in, in, in uh, business in general. What's really got you fired up right now? Well, longevity issues. Uh, in my world that I play in, the biggest threat to most people, financially speaking, is not what they think it is. It's the fact they're probably going to live a long time, longer than they think. And I have two books here with me. They're always in my briefcase. One is by George Burns. It's called 100 Years, 100 Stories. He died at age 100. And he had engagements they had to cancel because he planned on performing at age 100. I love that. I mean, Me too. The, the idea that, that at that age, that, you know, they're, they're fran- I can see it now. They're frantically calling, oh my God, we've got a show tomorrow. Um, sorry, George can't make it. Right. Um, and he's got a really good excuse. His birthday was January 20th and he died in March. Okay, so it was over 100. And the second book I keep, because it's uh, Kirk Douglas's most recent book, Life Could Be Verse, published uh, in 2015. I carry it around. I have several of these, some in my office, some in the briefcase, because we have the same birthday. I was 64. He was 100. Now, at age 100, he's still productive. Now, if you don't know, he suffered a stroke, had to get, be, retrain himself to do things. But I look at this and I think, maybe I won't make it to 100. I tell everybody I am. That's 36 more years, right? So if you have a long life ahead of you, what are you going to do with that life? I see clients who goofed up in the sense that they said, I'm going to work hard and get to this magical age called retirement and then go do things. And I have a friend right now that took him to hospice today while you and I were having lunch. 
He's not going to make it probably through the weekend. And he did it right. We started working together over 30 years ago, and he started playing golf more. He started doing things he wanted to do, took more time off, didn't let his business control everything. And he enjoyed retirement before he retired. And that's my style. So what I'm excited about most is I understand this thing about longevity risk, and I'm teaching everybody that will listen how to understand it and realize that you're probably going to live much longer than you think. If so, the longer you live, the more pressure it puts on your finances. The more money you have, you know, the longer you live, you're going to see more recessions, more depressions, more ups and downs in the economy. So what are you doing to make it work? So in my world, I look at the, the most exciting thing is teaching people how to plan for the fact they're not going to die today. They're probably going to live 10, 15, 20 years longer than they thought. That's what exciting. Now, from the standpoint of general business, I'm excited about the fact that there's more opportunity today for anyone in business than ever. You may wonder why. No matter what you do for a living, if you will take the mindset of being unstoppable and just read and study the stuff that Steve sends out in that newsletter, if that's all you do and you start applying that, it has to make you unstoppable and make you think about bigger opportunities. And if you do have a long life ahead of you, what the hell are you going to do with it? You're going to squander it or you're going to make it productive? Well, I appreciate the plug. Um, your, your promotional consideration will yeah. be in the mail. I want $10,000, please. <laughs> um, and, and thank you for that. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. And, and longevity risk, I see two things there. Obviously, in your world, it's it's financial. Um, the thing that I'm I'm witnessing more and more is with business owners that get to this age that we've created, which is, I don't know if it's 62 or 65 or 70 anymore. I don't know what that magic number is, but it, it's as if we're treating that as a finish line somehow. Yes. And um, it's just and, the beginning. And, and I look at it as, uh, and, and you shared your number 100. My number is 126. I'm going to live to be 126. My kids laugh at me when that ha- when I tell them that, but I'm going to live to be 126. And I'm planning for that. And that means that at, at 45, where I am right now, I'm just barely a third of the way through. Right. And that's an exciting possibility. I don't know if I'll get there or not. I don't have any control over that. All I can control is how I'm going to, to approach the years that I'm expecting to have. And, and I think... What's, what's very sad to me is I see people get to the finish line, the quote-unquote societal finish line, and they hang it up, and they don't have the, the what's next. It's one thing to sort of maybe retire from your first career, um, and I'm not saying you've got to go into something else that's money-making, but I, I've seen people lose their purpose, and I think that's a death sentence, both literally and, and emotionally and spiritually. And so I think, I think those are the two longevity risks that we face right now. I agree with you. I do want to debate one thing with you. You do have a lot of control. Ultimately, you don't have control in the sense of you don't know when you're going to die. But you can certainly hasten it by doing having bad habits. You made a comment about habits earlier. You can be a smoker. You can drink too much. You can sit on your butt like I used to and watch TV and eat some butter pecan ice cream and chuck down a couple of real sweet sodas and hasten that. My dad, my dad died August 15th, 2015. He always said, 
You know, I don't know when I'm going to die. When God's ready for me, he'll come get me. And I'm not going until he's ready for me. And that was his attitude about it. But there are things that we can do, too much stress, too much worry, too much anger. Anger is a, a cancer in itself in a lot of ways. But I think the more we're at peace with ourselves and the people around us, the more likely are we have of living to be 100 or 126. But if you're walking around angry at everything and fussing and complaining, yeah, you got problems. Yeah, the way I look at it, I don't have any control over how long I'm on the planet, but I can influence it a little bit. There you go. Well, John, it's been an absolute pleasure spending this time together. I always enjoy when we get together. And uh, before we go, I, I want to make sure everybody knows how they can get a hold of you if they'd like to learn more about what you do. So what's the best way for them to find you? The best way is just visit my website, johnhcurry.com. Remember the H, johnhcurry.com. Uh, they can watch a free video. They can look at some reports I have. I believe, like you, that we should give valuable content, create value first, and if I can be of service, give us a call. And, and the best way to do that is just contact us either by email or phone on the website, johnhcurry.com, and just schedule a phone appointment. We'll talk. If I can be of service, great. If not, I've just made contact with another human being. Awesome. We'll put that uh, that link in, in the show notes so folks can find it there. And, uh, John, thanks for, for uh, being on today. And uh, I want to recommend that everybody go and uh, and find your book, Preparing for a Secure Retirement, whether they are you know, in Florida or anywhere else, um, and whether they ever reach out to you, if nothing else, it will give them uh, some, some new thinking around how to plan their, their lifelong financial uh, outlook. So, and they can get that at my website, or they can get it at Amazon. Yeah, right. It's also available at uh, Kindle. Uh, but if you go to my website and request it, it won't cost you anything. I'll send it to you with some additional information, so you can save yourself about 20 bucks if you go there. Perfect. Otherwise, go to Amazon and pay for it. All right. Well, you can find John at johnhcurry.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And this is another episode of the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. We'll talk to you real soon. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.